Welcome to Money Stories with LDT. I'm Linda Davis-Taylor, and this is Funding Your Agenda with Ronesha Bing. What I really try to emphasize is just that you only get in life what you ask for. You don't get what you deserve, and so you need to not be afraid to ask. Today on Money Stories, we're joined by Ronesha Bing, the founder and CEO of Her Agenda. Ronesha's philosophy in life is, no one ever slows her agenda, which was also the inspiration behind her site, a digital media platform that bridges the gap between ambition and achievement for millennial women. Her Agenda uses the power of storytelling to advance its audience to the next level of their careers. A truly innovative entrepreneur, she has been a part of Forbes 30 Under 30, has spoken at the White House during the Obama administration, and at the United State of Women Summit. Ronesha dares us to take more risks, ask the questions, and break down barriers we might have unknowingly created for ourselves. Today's episode will offer actionable insights to connect your goals to reality. Well, welcome, Day's Money Story. So great to have you. Thank you for having me. I know uh, our listeners are going to love hearing from you, Ranisha. What an entrepreneur you are, a a real trailblazer as the founder and CEO of your own company, Her Agenda. We'll be learning a little bit more about what you do with your company later in our conversation. But knowing that you're a woman who really believes in in the power of stories, I would love to start our conversation by asking you to talk a little bit about your own personal money story and just wonder, uh, at a young age, do you recall your parents speaking to you about personal finance when you were growing up? I did not have a mom that talked to me about personal finance. I'm from New York and I grew up with my mom and my brother. My mom was a single mom and she worked as a court reporter in the New York City um, court system, which is a really cool job. But I remember her always working. She had a laptop before people had laptops to bring home to then do work at home. So I just remember my mom working so hard. And then I remember us going shopping. And whenever we went shopping at a mall, whenever the price came up, I always felt guilty. So I remember my earliest memory of money and my association with money was guilt because I knew how hard she worked for her money and that she didn't have a lot of it. So whenever I needed something, I always felt this like strong sense of guilt for you know, if anything went over a hundred dollars or one hundred fifty dollars at the store, oh, so that just made me de- that just made me determined to make sure that I didn't have to worry or feel guilty about money in the future. And my mom, the only thing she would say to me about money is, you know, make sure that you're rich, that you figure out a way to be rich. That was it. She didn't have any guidance or insight or anything. But you had that um, example of. It takes effort, right? It takes consistent long-term effort to actually be resilient and sustainable financially. I mean, it's it's tough that your mom had to work so hard and so much and that you felt guilt about it, but I guess in a way that turned into some personal motivation for you. Exactly. I always say this, like a little uncomfort 
makes you very innovative and makes you strive for more because you don't want to be stuck in those circumstances. So my goodness, I mean, I know you you got such an early start working yourself. So you had that example. Um, if do you recall whether in any of your classes in school was there was there ever any money skills, personal finance, any anything at all that came up in class? It should be mandatory for personal finance to be taught in schools because they teach you everything else, but that's an actual skill you need. The closest thing that I got in school about finances was I took a home economics class, a home oh. economics class in junior high school and we learned how to write a check and balance a checkbook. That was it. Well, I, okay, that's a stretch, but home economics, at least you had that. I mean, I can't tell you the generation I grew up, home economics was baking peanut butter cookies. So We did that too, but she also mixed in um, how to write a check, where to, to put your signature, how to write on the line the amount that you're writing the check out for, which was really crucial because no one ever teaches you that. You just that, kind of get a check one day or you have to fill out a check and you have to Google how to do it. I actually knew how to do it. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you joined me in believing that we should encourage our schools to really do something about this so that, mm -hmm. you know, those, those young women who follow us um, have a little bit of a leg up, hopefully. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but in New Jersey, it is now, um, required for the schools to teach personal finance. There's a bill that passed. A friend of mine who is a personal finance expert, her name is Tiffany Budgetnista, the Budgetnista. Yes, and I've heard of she her. She passed the Budgetnista bill, which requires New, Jer New Jersey schools to include personal finance classes in their curriculum. Well, that's a great start, and we should be sure. And thank you for mentioning her, because I know our listeners will appreciate knowing that, and maybe it'll inspire other states to do the same. Yeah. Um, Ranisha, let me ask you, you got such an early start in your career. As I understand, you were 16 years old when you started your career in journalism. How did you think at that time, this is what I want to do for my career? How did you even know what that was? And what, what tell us about that. You know, it was a major aha moment. I think what, when it comes, what comes natural to us, those character traits, those parts of our personality that we don't think about can actually be skills for a career. So as a kid, I was always called nosy and I was always reading and writing. I taught myself how to read when I was four. I started reading chapter books regularly, like a book a day, maybe two books, three books a week from the age of six when I was in first grade. I was always writing, writing poetry. I would get assignments from teachers, one page reflection. I turned in five pages and it came natural to me, but I didn't think about it. And so I took a journalism class by just chance. I just decided, okay, this is in an English department. I get English credit. I'll take this class. And it was in this class that everything sort of came together. All of those skills that I had naturally, that nosiness is curiosity, the need to read and write, that desire and thirst for in information, all were things that came natural to me, but I didn't realize and recognize that that could be a career. And so it was actually my teacher who really pushed me to join the school newspaper mm -hmm. and go to all these workshops and programs. And that's when I realized, wait a second, Barbara Walters, Oprah Winfrey, 
These are women that are on television that are really shaping society and changing people's lives through telling stories. And so I felt like journalism was my calling in the sense of bringing a light to stories that are hidden, that are untold in order to transform society and transform their lives. Well, I, I, I think you, as, as an early um, indication of how talented you are, didn't you earn an Emmy Award as part of a, as part of a team covering a news story? Re- reporting? I did. That's I amazing. Yeah, my first that. job. That was my first job out of college. I worked in a local newsroom at NBC New York, and I was a field producer. And I was the first person that was my, in my age demographic that ever worked at a top news station like that. Um, but I was very comfortable because I had interned there since I was 17. So by the time I'm 22, graduated, all these people know me. They under, they trust me. They understand um, the value that I bring to the newsroom. So I was able to do a little bit more than typical entry-level employee does. Mm-hmm. And with this Emmy win in particular, I actually uh, had to ask for it in a way. So I had done the work. I was the first person on the scene for this story in particular. It was a break, breaking news story. Um, it was a tragic story, so I won't really recount. You know how local news is. Mm-hmm. It's like if it bleeds, it leads. But I was key person on the ground, got a lot of our key eyewitness testimony, things like that. And so then an email got sent around by the news director with the items that were going to be considered for Emmys. And it had the anchor's name on it, the content producers, all the people who worked on it, except for me. And that's understandable. I'm at the bottom of the totem totem pole, so to speak, in terms of the hierarchy of the newsroom. But she did say in her, her email, if anyone worked on any of these stories and your name is missing, let me know. Great. Nor- yeah. Normally, though, I feel like uh, someone who's 22, who's just you know in their first job, probably would be like, oh, let me just wait my turn. And that's something even with her agenda, with everything I do, I try to push women to step out of that and to let other people tell you no before you tell yourself no. And so she said, no, I would have completely understood you know, I'm new. I'm just earning my stripes. I need to, you know, play the game a little bit more. But I asked and she said, of course, and added my name to it. So that is just one example of what I really try to emphasize. It's just that you only get in life what you ask for. You don't get what you deserve. And so you need to not be afraid to ask. That and right I, here is, is an inspiring lesson that we all just need to put that on our home screen or something every day and, and, and see that. I'm just wondering, extending to money, um, have you ever had to ask for money? All the time as a founder. Oh my goodness. So as when I was working in corporate America, it was less negotiation that was happening, especially because a lot of it were uh, entry-level roles. But as an entrepreneur, once we started to figure out our business model and we really started to bring in deals, I have to negotiate and push back all the time from the payment terms. They try to pay you net 90, net 60, you can push back and request to be paid within 30 days. You can request to get a deposit before you start any work. A lot of the time, people are so grateful to just get the opportunity, but then you have to get the terms that work for you so that you can you know, make sure that you rise to the occasion and turn that customer or client into a repeat 
client because you were able to get access to the resources that you need, which is in the form of capital. And I'm always, always negotiating on numbers and things like that. It's very scary, especially because a lot of the time it's big corporate companies and they have a big, you know, legal team and legal department. But I push back so much and I've doubled my deals. I've tripled my deals. I've created deals from nothing. Literally, I would get an email from a company that wants us to publish something editorially, but it's backed by a corporation. And I'm like, okay, if there's a corporation behind this, then this is considered a sponsored post. And this is the rate for that. I'm amazed. Did you have any financial mentors to bounce ideas or encourage you or is is this just really on the job you had to learn this and somehow your confidence builds along with your competence any mentors or is it just really you I have a circle of mentors that I will go to to ask the little things about, you know, is this a fair rate? Should I push back for more? Um, I have mentors that are like working in media as like entrepreneurs or freelancers, uh, which is becoming more common now as people get laid off in the media space. I also have various professional groups and networks that I'm part of that allow you to be transparent and say things that are stuff that you wouldn't want to be in the public space, but you have a private safe area to ask it. So one of those groups is called The List. And it's been really like, they that group has been my sounding board, like my career guardian angel. And I really highly recommend for women, especially to seek out those communities, those safe spaces where you can discuss things like money, like compensation, rate, fees, all of those things. Because if you don't have a sounding board or people that are in your network that you can share that with, you have no idea what the next person is getting paid. If you're getting underpaid, if you're charging too much. And that's why you're not closing any deals. You need to get an accurate assessment of what is happening in the marketplace. So that's one place. And I also started working out of a co-working space in 2012. And that helps too to just be around other founders, other entrepreneurs. Exactly. Well, let's, let's turn to, um, your company. Let's turn to her agenda because it, you're already right now in the last few minutes um, providing so many great stories um, and talk about how your media platform works and what do you hope to, to provide for women? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So her agenda is a digital media platform that I started in 2008 that bridges the gap between ambition and achievement for millennial women. And we do that through content and community. So what that means is we have articles that we publish on a daily basis that really give you inspiration and information around things like how to negotiate, how to find a mentor, and also actual stories of real women that have overcome barriers and obstacles and sort of embody this mindset that we have on the website. There's a motto. The motto is no one ever slows her agenda, which means whatever your goal is, you go for it. Don't let anyone or anything stop you. And I truly believe that you can't be what you can't see. So while the statistics might say one thing, that there's you know not m- many women in XYZ position or There's hardly any women in this space. There are women who are there. So how did they get there? What 
tips, tricks, insight do they have to allow the next person to get a leg up higher so that then the next person gets a leg up higher. So that's really what it's based on. And the information part, because I started this platform and I know the power of stories and the power of being inspired by that. But then what? You have to know where to go, what rooms you need to be in. People want you to be at the table, but you can't be at a table in a room that you don't know exists. So we have a database of conferences and panels and networking events and webinars that happen across the country, all listed on our website. Fantastic. Any? Do you have a, a memory or a story or two about some interesting response, uh, responses that you may have received from any women who've taken advantage of these amazing resources? What comes back to you in the way of feedback so you know I'm on the right track, I'm doing something that's really resonating with women? There's so much. It's just a lot of gratitude that I always Mm -hmm. experience. A lot of thank yous, a lot of you changed my life. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of just hope. A lot of uh, many of our readers come from, you know, households or communities where they might not have seen a CEO or they might have not have had access to internships or didn't know where to go to get access to resources for their career. And like I said, we started in 2008. So for many of them, her agenda was that first stop, that first point of reference for them to then unlock a whole world of opportunity and resources and ways to get started and get to the next level in their career. So in your in your business, how do you approach the topic of money and personal finance in her agenda? Any ideas there? Well, the interesting thing is I don't really consider myself a money expert, which is why I was so surprised to be invited for this podcast. But I think that that is something that I need to change and that many women need to change. If you are a woman, entrepreneur, successful in this society, you are a money expert. But that doesn't mean you know everything. It means that you know you have enough knowledge to really have a foundation that you can then grow on. But with um, personal finance news with her agenda, we really try to make it actionable and make it real. So a lot of the time we'll approach it during our live events. So we hosted a panel called What It Takes to Make It as a Creative. So we had a graphic designer, we had an interior designer, and a fashion designer on this panel. And these are careers that are rooted in the creative space, And often it's hard for creatives to monetize their businesses. Mm -hmm. So we made sure that we talked about, yes, how did you get inspired? How did you start your company? And then how did you get the funding? That's always something that we talk about. And we are so lucky to have women that are willing to share. We're in this, I think, new phase of just being a woman where we don't care anymore and we're going to like pull the curtain back and be completely transparent about what it takes. And that's what I appreciate. And that's what we bring to life through our events and our panels and things like that. Just getting real about it, being transparent and making it actionable. Like here is the step that I took. Here's the website that I went to. Here's the program that I signed up for. Well, I want to pick up on your comment of you're not being a financial expert. You know, my hope with Money Stories is similar to your goal with her agenda, which is that if we all are realize that vulnerability is part of our success and that 
your money success is step by step by step. Sure, they're basic skills. You've mentioned, you know, you start with learning how to write a check, you learn other things that are more tangible, but it's really about going through life with a sense of confidence that builds on that competence. So I can't think of anybody who's better, a better uh, spokeswoman for that than you, given what you've already done, given that, you know, you are a millennial yourself. um, You have such an audience and that this uh, conversation just builds upon itself. So that as our readers hear you and your story, they'll realize, oh, you know, there's not necessarily a magic toolkit to this. I just have to get out there and do it and know when to ask for help. So that's, that's why, you know, your story is, is so valuable. Um, trial and error for sure. I like that. What you said about confidence, building competence. I, I agree with that. You know, it's um, the two together. Uh, one alone won't do it. And, you know, we've all have anxieties and fears about money management. I mean, if, if I told you how anxious I've been the last three days with the stock market going the way it is, you would say, really? Haven't you been through that before? But it never stops. Um, just, I'm just so interested. Um, any piece of financial advice that you would like to share? from your life? Any any specific piece? You've already talked about so many things, but um, anything come up about, even if, even if it's something you think, well, maybe I would do that differently next time, or I will do that differently next time. Anything come to mind? I would say uh, just with the mindset of, of money, to just be more proactive about your money and finances. A lot of the time when we feel nervous about something or we're, we don't understand it, we tend to be passive. And then, you know, it backfires because you only get an alert when like your credit score has dropped to, you know, lower than it's supposed to be. Then it takes longer to fix it rather than if you had an app or something to monitor, then you Mm -hmm. could be on top of it and actually figure out, okay, what factors go into a credit score? Then how can I make changes to my lifestyle to make sure that it stays above a certain number? Right. And it's, always changing, right? I'm sure in owning and running and owning a company, you see things go up and down. There are challenges, financial challenges sometimes. And as you say, you have got to get in there and, and, uh, and fix them. And then, you know, and then you see some, some results. So it's true in your, true in your business. I'm sure it's true in our personal lives too. So just, just curious, any uh, tips from how to actually start a conversation about money with somebody else? whether it's somebody in your family or somebody you think, wow, I just think I w- would, could help this person if we talked about this. How can you get those tough conversations going? I think first you have to be comfortable with it because energy with this conversation is important. And if you feel nervous or anxious about it, it'll transfer to the person. So just normalize it. Talk about it like you would talk about, you know, saving for a a trip or, you know, planning a a trip or vacation. Like just talk about, you know, planning and just legacy building and the basic things of even having like a will and testament, all of those type of things that people don't like to really discuss, but we need to discuss. So it should be normalized. Um, create more transparency, like be the first person in your friend group to say, this is how much I make. How much do you make? So that you're comparing notes and know 
you know, what your peer group is making in comparison to what you are making. And that helps to really give you an idea of what was the floor and what's the ceiling for negotiation whenever you get your next opportunity and things like that. And really thinking about it as being part of self-care would really help. And it's a radical act to really be knowledgeable and transparent and talk about money. And I think once we shift that mindset to thinking of money in that sense and putting it in that bucket, then we can really um, change the game, change the conversation. I love that example of just going ahead and sharing yourself. And this is how much I make, how much you make. Let's talk about it and use that as a way to help each other and not be competitive. Um, I'm always talking to my friends about that and like what accounting software they they should be using. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are actually sort of new entrepreneurs. So I'm always sharing, you know, this is what you need to do. Set yourself up for taxes. This is what you need to be looking at for accounting. All of those different things that people don't think about until it's too late. Well, you've already impacted us so much out in the world, and you have a long time ahead to do that, Ranisha. And um, thank you so much for joining us today. And in closing, just tell us, uh, tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and your work. Sure. So I am on pretty much every social media platform. Uh, the business page is at Her Agenda on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I am at Nisha's Agenda on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, visit us at um, HerAgenda.com for daily advice, inspiration, and access to resources. And consider joining our insider community, which is um, an opt-in private network that allows you to talk about things like money and finances and salary. So if you're not quite comfortable to talk about it with your friend group, you can join our insider community to get access to a group of peers that will help to champion you and give you advice and insight along the way, just as much as your friends and family would. Fantastic. We will all do that. And we look forward to following you and learning with you in years to come. Thank you so much, Ranisha. Best of luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Want more money stories? Check out my Instagram at lindadavistaylor underscore LDT to learn more about the incredible lineup of women on our podcast and share your own money story. Until next time.